Women Taking the Lead, Episode 4. But I wish I would have done my music career differently on the side and not spent 10 years trying to figure out what I should be doing. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Bree Noble, who is an entrepreneur, musician, and speaker. She founded Women of Substance Radio, an online radio station that promotes quality female artists in all genres. She launched the Women of Substance Music podcast in November of 2014, and her podcast has hit number one in new and noteworthy for music, arts, and society and culture categories, and hit number four audio podcasts on all of iTunes. Well done. (laughs) She draws on her extensive experience running her own music business, both as a solo musician and as an industry professional, to train and mentor other female musicians. Brie, that's just a little teaser for everyone. So tell us more about you and where you came from. Sure. Um, Well, about the personal details, which aren't in there, I am a mother of two girls. They are 11 and 6. And my husband is an English professor at Azusa Pacific University. We are lucky enough to be able to live in the mountains near Yosemite. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband teaches at a really unique program for the university that is basically uh, learning about literature in the woods, which is really cool. So, and I love that with what I do, I can live wherever. I used to live in LA and, um, you know, that was great for being in the music industry and, you know, having your finger on the pulse of what's going on. But I was really tired of the traffic and the smog. And so I'm really glad to be living up here in the mountains. Um, As far as my background, my background is in music and business, which you probably could guess from my bio. Um, But the one thing that's not in the bio that I want to mention is I was actually born with glaucoma, which means that I was born legally blind. And um, obviously, I had to deal with a lot of adversity as a kid with that and learn to operate in the world um, having limited vision and when I was in high school, I actually lost vision in totally in one eye. So um, I've been, you know, basically battling that um, not as much within myself because being born with it, I was used to it and I learned to deal with it from a young age. But battling kind of that um, impression from other people that, you know, maybe I, I couldn't do as much as they thought I could just because of my visual impairment. So that has kind of been um, my signature as far as focusing on um, battling my diversity, I mean, my adversity from a young age and going into the workplace and trying to prove that, yes, I can do as much, if not more, than other people. And um, so I was, I worked as an accountant because I had a business degree and I was doing music on the side and I ended up working as a director of finance in an opera company and that was an interesting experience because I got to, first of all, I got to see operas for free, which was really fun. And um, But being a woman in that kind of environment 
was very interesting because the office was run by executive directors and production directors that were all male, and I was the only female on the executive team. And that was difficult because it was like this old boys club kind of thing. And um, my breaking in, number one, as a woman, and number two, as someone who had um, a visual impairment was was difficult, but I believe that in my five years there, I really proved myself, and I think everyone in the office respected me for what I was able to do, even you know dealing in this old boys' club kind of atmosphere. So, <laughs> wow, yeah. So and then and then you know on the side I was doing music, and once I quit that job because I had kids and it was just too much to try to do both. I ended up going into a career as an independent musician and touring around California and Oregon, um, performing at at churches and mothers, moms groups and community organizations, fundraisers and singing and speaking. So that's what kind of led me into the whole music thing as a career, because once I was tired of touring and I wanted to be and I had a second child, I wanted to be working from home. That was when I started Women of Substance to help promote musicians like myself, but I didn't really want to promote myself. What I wanted to promote is the people that I had met along the way that were just so fantastic as far as musicians that I didn't think were getting enough press. So that's kind of the the whole journey that I've been on. <gasps> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you've clearly had success in your life and you've definitely gained some confidence. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time, share with us the story and the lessons you've learned along the way. Sure. I would say the biggest thing of me playing small was in my music career at first because I started out in my 20s and I thought I need to find a band to be in because I didn't value myself enough as a solo artist, as a songwriter, I thought I need to find someone else's vehicle and jump on it. And that is, you know, where I'm going to find my music career. And so, you know, I looked in the the recycler and the and the paper and places that people would advertise and I just went from band to band to band and just not very fun experiences of just not being a good fit for the band or, you know, the the band not getting along or, you know, the the musically not meshing and I probably was in I don't know, five or six different situations in Southern California as far as music and nothing was ever quite right. And finally, just out of frustration, I said, that's it. I am going solo. I'm going to try to do this solo. I don't know how I'm going to do it because I don't feel like I have the goods, but I can't put up with this anymore um, dealing with other people's issues. And so I went solo and I, I focused in on writing an album and I put it out. I started, um, you know, I started wanting to book a tour. And this is where I really played small in that I just, I didn't know how to put myself out there. I didn't know how to, to make kind of an angle or make myself unique. And I just, you know, would contact people and say, oh, I'm a singer songwriter. You know, would you like me to come sing? And you know, they'd be like, oh, that sounds nice. Let me, you know, let me talk to some people. And I'd never get back to me because there was no compelling reason for them to call me back. And I finally realized I need to have an angle. I need to create a program. I need to talk about something along with my music that's worth hearing. 
that's going to make me stand out to them. And that's where I came up with my program, You Are My Vision, talking out about um, being growing up visually impaired and how that related to songs that I've written. And that was where I finally found my niche as a musician. But I mean, it took me 10 years of, wow. of trying to figure this thing out. You know, and that that's really great. And one, that's something I'm definitely hearing a lot more about, especially since I've started my coaching business, like the importance of having a unique brand. But this is something I think I could have learned 15, 20 years ago when I was first starting my career, that if I had worked more towards finding my unique set of skills and what makes me different, I would have stood out more um, when, when I was just up and coming, you know, in my, in my career. And so that's fantastic, Brie. And how, how do you apply this day to day now? Oh, this is my big, um, message to musicians that I want to get across in my, my whole mission in helping musicians is that they need to find a way to be unique, to be original and to stand out. Because in my experience with women of substance, I am looking at artists' bios all day long. And I can't tell you how many of them are just like so humdrum that I would never remember anything about that artist later. And so it's just, they're never going to stand out. I mean, they have no idea how many people they're competing against in the world of independent musicians. They need to find a niche and stand out. Find your unique brand and broadcast it to the world. Absolutely. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Um, well, the wake-up call, and it is re in relation to what I was already talking about, my, my wake-up call was really being in the hospital. Um, I, I have Crohn's disease also, and I got really, really sick in 2005, and I ended up in the hospital and in that time when I was just so sick, I couldn't keep any food down. I was losing weight like crazy. And I just didn't know if I was going to get out of the hospital. I kind of had this moment with God where I said, you know, God, I need to know what my purpose is in, in life. So when I get out of here, I can live that and not just kind of go along and live my days without, you know, aimlessly. And that was really where I came up with the whole you are my vision and figuring out how, number one, how I was going to stand out as a musician and um, committing to being a speaker. I'd never been a speaker before and committing to that as being part of my brand and being willing to talk about that in front of an audience, because that is one thing that had been, that probably had been the reason why I had tried to find someone else's vehicle instead of being a solo artist is that I didn't want all eyes to be on me um, and have to have to talk about, growing up visually impaired because although, you know, I was, I was constantly having to deal with that. I didn't want to have to talk about it on stage because I felt like, you know, people then would be judging me by that and not by my music. And I wanted to be judged solely on my music. And I realized at this point when I was in the hospital, well, you know, what's the point of that? What's the point of going on stage and not being your authentic self? you're not really giving all of yourself to the audience and they're never going to connect with you. No. And you know, it's, it's unfortunate that most of us have to have that near death or, 
<laughs> yes. And cra- crazy, scary moment where we, we were faced with, is this it? And am I, am I happy with how I've been living my life for us to wake up and realize that, you know, nobody's going to hurt us if we share more of ourselves. And I, and I see a lot of people struggle with that when they're offered an opportunity, but it means people are going to be looking at them more, or they might have to do some public speaking or share some of their story. It freaks them out and has them hold back. I mean, even for myself, when, you know, when I was, um, had the concept of this podcast and started to do the research and I got really excited. And if the excitement wasn't as big as it was, I don't know what would have happened when I, the moment came when I realized I'm going to have to share more of myself <laughs> and you know, like my hard times and the struggles I have. And I need to be more transparent and authentic about my journey. Otherwise I'm never going to connect to the people I want to connect with. I'm never going to help the people I want to help and that was a moment, you know, when, and I, you know, I realized I was like, what do I, how much do I say? What do I say? And how do I say it so that it doesn't sound like a pity party, but it's rather, this is, this is who I am. And this is, this is what I deal with. Um, I hope you're cool with that, you know? <laughs> so that, that is something I think we're all faced with. So I admire your bravery because even though it came from a near death experience, it still, still takes courage. Right. To go to go back and, and do it and be allow yourself to be exposed and vulnerable. So that's great, Brie. Okay. What I want everyone to get is that there is no one way to lead. We're all different and we're all gonna lead differently. How would you describe your leadership style? Well, I would say I'm coming at it from the angle of three important things. Uh, authenticity experience and value. So, you know, I am going to be authentic with my audience. That is something I learned, as I just said, from that experience. There's no point in not being authentic because you're not really going to connect with anyone. So, you know, I want them to understand that, that whatever I am talking to them about, I always have their best interests in mind because I really, really want to help them. And I want that to be clear. And then I want to, you know, I come at come at it with the experience that I have because I want to shortcut it for them. I wish I had had a leader that I could have followed when I was in my 20s and I wouldn't have, you know, floundered around for that many years. So I want them to understand that that I've got the experience that that I want them to benefit from and then I want to provide them value and you know everything that I am going to be giving to my audience is not necessarily, I mean, it's going to benefit me too in the end, but it's mostly about benefiting them. Mm. And what I really get from your leadership style, it really comes from a place of service, right? You're really trying to serve the people who are following you. Absolutely. What is one thing that you are working on right now that you're really excited about? Well, I am really excited about creating my school for female musicians called Female Musician Academy. And I actually um, haven't put this in my bio yet, but I just recently, a few weeks ago, found out that I won a scholarship to Boss School. Have you heard of Boss School? No, tell me about it. It is for female entrepreneurs who would like to either start a business or start a new part of their current business. And it's going to be a 90-day intense program of, you know, just even furthering my abilities as an entrepreneur 
and really focusing in. And during this, I'm going to be creating my female musician Academy. And, um, so that's starting in March and I hope to have my female musician Academy already very soon to start taking students and helping them, um, get the information and the tools that they need to take their career to the next level in music. Oh my gosh, that's crazy exciting. Yes. And I will be sure to put the link to Boss School. I'm assuming they have a website. They do. They are called Hello Fearless, and it's all for women in business. Okay, I'm making a note of that. And of course, I have the Hello Fearless (laughs) (laughs) going through my head right now. So I will have the link um, for that in the show notes. And if your website is ready to go for the, um, female musicians Academy, then I will have that in the show notes as well. And if not, I'll be sure to be blasting it out on social media and to, and in my newsletter to make sure, um, that people are aware that it's open and available. Cause I think you've just gotten a lot of people excited awesome. about that. It, it will yeah. be ready. Some form of it will be ready. We will at least have some free content for them to, um, learn from until all the other contents up. Perfect. Okay. Now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us what is one practice that makes you a better leader? I think it is consistency. Um, and I've really, really had to hone in on this with my podcast because my current podcast, which is a music podcast is five days a week. So (laughs) yeah, I really, um, you know, I need to be consistent. People are expecting to see that podcast five days a week and they listen to it on their commute or when they're running or, you know, and they want to know that it's going to be there and it's going to be quality. So, and, and with the women of substance radio, I've been doing that for seven years and I have no intention of stopping. I love it. And I've always, you know, kept it consistent and consistent quality and just building upon that. So I think, you know, after seven years, the people that are following me really see that I have that consistency. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny because I hear, um, you know, I, I have a psychology background and learning about human development, you know, they stress how important it is for kids to have a routine. Mm. But the more I'm out in the world and the more I study and have my own experiences, the more I realize that as adults, we're really just kids in a bigger body, right? You know, we like our routines too. And if we get used to something and it goes away, we're a little off kilter for a while. Like it throws us for a loop. So if, you know, if I'm listening to a podcast and it's five days a week and all of a sudden it's not there, I'm, I'm a little devastated mm, by, yes. by that. So that's why as, you know, as, as someone who provides service and has such a great product, you know, people are looking for it and they want, they want it to be there. So that's really great. What is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop in her leadership? Actually, it goes along with what you were just saying about routine. I recently read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Uh, have you read that? Yeah. Oh. I haven't, but I've been hearing it everywhere and I have to I have to download it. I'm putting a note. Yeah. It, the Miracle yeah, Morning you can get by it, Hal Elrod. You can get it on your Kindle. Actually, I think it's free on Kindle Unlimited if you have that on Amazon. Um, it is it has been so good. I started it right before January doing The Miracle Morning. 
I, some people cringe at this, but I get up at four (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a mom that has to have my kid, you know, get my kids up at six 30 and get their lunches and get their backpacks packed and make sure they get out of the house on time. So I have been focusing on this routine that they go through in the book of, um, let's see if I can remember the, it's the acronym is savers and it's, um, it, it involves like, I don't have all the the letters correctly, but it's like exercise. Um, and it's very short. Like I only do exercise for 15, 20 minutes, you know, not like running or anything, but you know, push up, sit ups, all that just to get your body moving. And then, um, and doing some journaling, doing some reading, doing some, um, affirmations, and visualizations to, you know, kind of think about where you want to go, what you want, what you want to see, even like in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days in your business and your life. And it really just, it helps you focus your day starting out. And then by like 4.30, 4.45, I'm on to, to working and marketing my podcast for that day. And I can get that, all that done before the kids get up. Mm, great. And I'm glad you underscored that because I was also going to say to anyone listening, this does, if you read the miracle morning, it does not mean you have to wake up at four no, o'clock no, no. in the morning. He says he started at six and then he just loved it so much and he wanted more. He started getting up at five. Yes. <laughs> but I do it four because I want to get some work done before the kids leave. I do a bunch of, um, of Twitter and Facebook stuff to promote that day's podcast. And I just want to get that off my plate before I start my actual work day. Yeah. So the key is to just get up a half an hour, 45 minutes earlier than you normally would to start this miracle morning process. And I've, the people who've read the book, they have been raving about it. So it is on my list and you've, you've just prompted me and (laughs) called me out on it. (laughs) So I will get that done. Brie, what is your favorite healthy food? Okay, so recently I got a Jamba Juice gift card. And, you know, I always thought, you know, my kids like Jamba Juice, but it's not that healthy for you because they mostly use, you know, lots of fruit with a lot of sugar and sherbet and that type of thing. So I looked on their website and I found out that they now have greens drinks. And they have one called the Tropical Greens that I love. Um, You can, I think in some Jamba Juices you can get it fresh, but they have these um, fresh press that are actually in the fridge and they're in a glass bottle and they're so good. It's mm. got like kale and spinach plus like all these tropical, you know, like uh, mango and, and pineapple and stuff mixed in and it tastes delicious. Awesome. I'm going to have the link for that. I'll have, I'll find the description page with the ingredients and I'll link that up in the show notes as well. Okay. Here's the tough question. Knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? Hmm. <clears throat> um, I think I would have definitely fast-tracked my music career as far as I mean, I was I was working and I would never skip over the the working in the corporate world part of my life, but I wish I would have done my music career differently on the side and not spent 10 years trying to figure out what I should be doing, trying to play by other people's rules. And, um, cause I would have, I would have gotten there so much faster instead of waiting those 10 years to, um, to find my direction. Mm, and it sounds like something you would have enjoyed doing anyway. So that might've alleviated some of the stress yes. that you were experiencing in your job. 
That is so true because my job did get stressful at the end. I worked for a nonprofit and being the director of finance, there was always, you know, more month and not enough money kind of thing, Mm. especially certain times of the year. So yeah, if I could have not had stress in my music career, that would have helped. Yeah. (laughs) So ladies, you know what we're saying, find time to pursue your passions, even if it's only on the side, even if it's only a little bit each week. And I think think what would have really helped is if I had a mentor like myself now that could have shortcutted it for me and and told me um, what I needed to do to get there instead of trying to figure it out on my, my own. You know, Brie, that's perfect because one thing we also tend to do is in our minds, it's so much more complicated than when we say it out loud or we're talking to somebody about what we want to do, right? Oftentimes when we're overwhelmed or we have reasons why we can't do something, another person who is calm and rational will say, why are you overthinking it? Why, you know, just dedicate a little bit of time, you know, simplify, you know, because when these ideas stay in our head and we keep them to ourselves, they're way more complicated than they need to be. So having a mentor who can help help you figure it out and guide you through the process and simplify it, you can start pursuing your passion a lot quicker than if you were just trying to do it on your own. Love that. Great point. Okay. Before we say goodbye to you, share with us a a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you today. So I don't know the exact quote, but this is a Zig Ziglar quote that I love um, about if you work to help other people, then you will... um, you'll get the benefit. I mean, if you help to, to get other people where they want to go, then you'll get where you want to go. Yes. And, you know, I'll probably mash it up too, but I think it's if you help enough people, you'll get what you want when you help enough people get what they want. That's what it is. It's something like that. <laughs> something like that. And we should really will, memorize yeah, we, that because I love that quote. I've heard it a million times, a million times that I always botch it up a little bit, but I get the premise. I totally get it. That by being in service of other people, by helping other people realize their dreams, your dreams will come true. Right. Yes. All right. Lastly, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Well, I would love to connect with you guys on Twitter. Um, my handle is Bree Noble, B-R-E-E-N-O-B-L-E, or Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com slash Bree Noble Music. And um, our website for the, the Female Musician Academy is going to be femalemusicianacademy.com, or you can also go to F-E Musician, which is, stands for Female Entrepreneur Musician, which is going to be my podcast that it's going to be launching very, very soon. So you can look out for that on iTunes and go to femusician.com to uh, listen to some interviews and some solo shows about how to um, improve your business of music. Bree, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you. Wow. It was incredible talking to Bree. She has such a powerful, moving story, and she's doing such great things out in the world. And we mentioned a lot. So I wanted to let you know, you can find all the resources mentioned in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the shortened link, which is womentl.com. And you can find Bree's episode in the podcast tab.
Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching, or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.